hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. This is The Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, February 11th, 2022. I powered through that one. And it's The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Streg. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What's happening? And uh, Jamie Ivey is on vacation this week. She is on a cruise. <laughs> Man. Fancy cruise. So joining us from, where are you at? Uh, Dallas now? Uh, our associate producer, downtown Emily Brown. Hello. I'm in Dallas right now, but when the podcast actually comes out, I will be in Paris. Paris, Texas. Ooh, Paris, Paris, Texas. Paris, oh, we, we. Paris, France. Oh, yeah. Emily, have you been? Uh, so you're actually going to be Emily in France. Emily in yeah, Paris. Yeah. Emily, Emily Paris. in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. So um, have you been to, to Paris before or France? Yes, I have. Okay. I went to France in high school with my French class for like two weeks and I spent like two days in Paris. A high school no. class oh, takes field trips to Paris? What? I will be Nacogdoches is hey look I was going to send my kids to Nacogdoches oh it was in Dallas Bel Air Academy so me and two of my friends I don't want to okay we didn't like bully our French teacher but we were really annoying and we were like you should take us to France to France like we just really wanted to go we took French for three years and she was like, I will take you guys before we go or before your senior year. So there was like six of us that ended up going. What? But it was because me and my two friends, we were like on her. We were like, please can you, take can us you to Can you bully the IRS? Yeah, I can you bully? I, I got a list of people I need you to make some, some calls for. Bully. <laughs> Emily. Basically, I can be really annoying when I need to be. Hey, I, I need that. I, I also ordered a Tesla. Can you bully them to send that mug faster than mm-hmm. the release date? Send me send me a list. And I'll I bet. I'm, 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 I'm seeing people wait for like months. You know what I mean? I need... I need to get my joint a little quicker than what they said. I'm going to get it. So mm-hmm. just, hey, look, just hit Elon up. Be like, look, guys, my homie yeah. Derek, he kind of needs his car. I didn't he know if you were going to put it out there, Derek, that you just say uh, you are a new owner or buyer. I'm not an owner yet. I'm not an owner until You're a buyer, though. Get here. Yeah, I'm, tra- hey, oh, I'm trying to. You know, that bug said it's I'll not going to come till 2030. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One day, I, well, yeah, 2050, I get that new Model X. Now, <laughs> Emily, I do. I, there, I'm, I have one more question about your story about annoying your high school teacher into taking you to Paris. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Was this like an off book kind of thing? Like, was this formal field trip or was this just because if I annoyed a teacher and I was like, listen, I just I annoyed many I, teachers. I, yeah, I, I've got to go and I've got to see Tokyo. Can you please? I will annoy you. Like, it, I think the teacher would be like, 
you know, it's really not my prerogative to take you to Tokyo. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have the parents. power. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. Okay, Get a we, job, you like, entitled ten jerk. Year, <laughs> ten years before we went, I think she had said she had taken a class before. Uh, and she said it was just kind of, okay. it's really hard. And she was like, I don't really want to do it again. Well, me and my two friends were like, nope, we want to go. So we would bring it up in class, like... Cause we, and we all were really good students. Like we weren't bad students. So I think that helped a little bit. Mm. Um, but we like in class, we would say like, wow, we speak French really well. Maybe we should go practice it in France. Mm. And we would just bring it up constantly. It took like probably two semesters, but she finally agreed. And then we had like this whole meeting. My parents knew about it. Obviously I was 17. Um, <laughs> I would, and- <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you, like no one, th- I don't think any of us assumed your parents didn't yeah. know about it. Yeah, but, so. but you said that in a way like, don't worry. <laughs> my parents knew. Well, wink, so, wink. Not like all the well, other stuff I did. My parents knew the, about so, this. I, I want to yeah. ask the obvious question and, and it may have missed me because Listen, my attention span is really, really bad, so it may have missed me. But the question that I have is, who funded this? My parents. Oh, okay. Oh, parents okay. I was going to say because if the school, had, if the school funded it, uh, this was my. So we knew about it like two years before because it, like, I mean, it's expensive. We had to like have time to plan. So this covered two years of Christmases and birthdays. Uh, they, yeah, I'm sure like, it did. Yeah, this I didn't get. I, I think they got me like cards. And then this was it. And I was very happy with it. I was fine with it. A Chick-fil-A gift card. Like, here, Merry Christmas. And I was like, that's fine. I'm going to France for two weeks and it's worth it. Um, (laughs) But no, but so they were really excited. My parents were excited for me too. But I mean, maybe a month before I left is when the first Taken movie came out. And that like almost derailed the whole trip. Because my parents were like, oh, wait, hang on a second. This is... Because it's in Paris. And so they were like, wait, I don't know about this. I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to make any dumb decisions. I'm not going to talk to strangers. I'm not going to tell them where I'm staying and I'm like, invite them into my hotel. That's this girl. Like she did all the wrong things. I'm going to be smart about this. She did all the movie. That that's a good point, Emily. She, she did all of the movie stupid stuff, like yeah, run up the steps. It's like it's like yo, you got to blame that on the dad. It's almost like I feel like the dad really allowed her to get kidnapped because he felt like breaking <laughs> people's bones. He just was like, you know what? I'm not gonna train her. I'm a, I'm this super spy or whatever. But I'm gonna let you do all of this dumb stuff. I'm not gonna hip you to none of the stuff that you should do to be safe. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna go beat everybody up. And My, we got four, I four never really saw the Taken it. franchises, but I do, I just couldn't believe that there was a Taken two. Like, well, that, there's like four it, of them, right? Yeah, there's like, yeah, is, yeah, is, is it the same girl, the same dad? Like, she just keeps getting taken. Premise. It's the exact same premise. She goes, you're not going to believe it, Dad. I went back to Europe and got myself in another. I, I was once again abducted by Polish human traffickers. At that but point, I, what, we're calling child services. For real. What, what, what I appreciate, and I can't remember, but I have seen the Taken films. But they're really just, it's the same movie, just with different set pieces. Right. Yeah. But one, I can, one of them, I can't remember if it was two or three that I saw. And I feel like they just ran out of villains. Like, the, the, the final fight, like, you know how... All these movies are the same. You have to fight through all the henchmen and you finally, right. just like an old school video game, got to fight the final boss, you know, like all of them are the same. But the final boss was just like a guy in a tracksuit. He wasn't even that big or imposing. <laughs> he was unarmed. There's just a guy in a tracksuit. It was like, 
this is Liam Neeson's definitely going to beat him. Like even <laughs> if it wasn't, even if it wasn't taken Liam Neeson, even right. if it wasn't like the like the character that he's portraying that just mode that has a particular set of skills and just I just watch murder twenty five henchmen. Even <laughs> just the actor Liam Neeson would beat this tracksuit guy. He didn't look that all that menacing to me. It was like so. This is it. Did did the real villain get sick on the day of the recording and they just got some gaffer like, hey man, we need you to throw on. A tracksuit and a, and a silver chain, and have Liam Neeson fight you. Listen, like, George, right, well. The Rock got COVID, and we're not gonna be able to finish this. So I'm it's gonna like need me. you to put this tracksuit on. I need you to act as mean as possible, and just we're gonna make it work. That's so what the lesson is: avoid anybody in tracksuits when you're over there. Please be safe. Like, got don't it. don't mess around with Polish people. Don't mess around with tracksuits. I don't know if we can like blame all of Poland, but I have been to Poland idea. actually. So what? and they were very nice. Yes. Yeah. I bet they are. Polish people are probably cool, man, for real. I just got a vibe. They, they like their funny. they like their sausages and their brats. That's Pause. what I know about Poland. It, it, to be fair, I don't know where these I don't know where these human traffickers were. They 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 were vaguely Eastern European. I don't think it's ever really established, nor does it matter. And one of them Maybe that was yeah. the second one. But but they, they never really establish motivations. They never really establish who these people are, what they're human. It's just Liam Neeson going to, you know, do cra- crazy things. To find it's like John star. Wick. John Wick is all about John Wick going through and just beating people senseless for but, but the great an thing, hour and a half. But the great thing is at least John Wick leans into my motivations are very flimsy. They killed right. my puppy. Right, right. right. It, this is all over a dog. <laughs> right. Like, Taken went wrong when it's like, we got to make this serious. This has to right. be a human tragedy. Yeah. No one's believing that. True. You know what I mean? Wait, I never saw John Wick either. So wait, literally, As his what puppy gets killed and he goes and uh, annihilates everybody it's associated? A he's a re- yeah. He's a retired hitman. Uh-huh. And something went awry. And, and no, they killed his dog. Like, and his dog was like the only thing that kind of kept him grounded. Mm. And man, I bet they wish they didn't kill that dog because he killed about a hundred people over over <laughs> that dog, including <laughs> Common, like, including about a fifteen-minute scene of the greatest with rappers Common. of all time. <laughs> he had to kill Common, man. Wait, wait, is it Common acting, or is it like the character, like the rapper Common look, is look, in the movie? We all know when Common acts, he's still the rapper Common, so it's still <laughs> the rapper Common. <laughs> you answered your own question, Cameron. You answered your own question. Yeah. He's always Common. Doesn't matter what his name he's is. He's never not Common. He yeah, comes yeah. true. All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, Passion Music's Christian Stanfield joins us. Uh, We also have a game at the end of the show. You know, Super Bowl weekend. So it's a Super Bowl halftime show themed game. You don't want to miss that. And uh, right now, stay tuned up next. uh, Tyler joins us for our uh, new segment, updated segment, evolved segment, Relevant Buzz. It's coming up next. listening to Hammond. The song is Angels. Well, today's show is brought to you by the Lumo Project. Lumo is a stunning visual Bible that will help you see the gospel in a compelling new light. 
you've ever wondered if the Gospels talk about the big questions we face in life today, things like addiction or money, depression, doubt, the answer is yeah, it's all in there. With Lumo, you can experience Jesus's teachings and story in a completely new way. Check out Lumo's free scripture videos by searching The Lumo Project over at YouTube. And for other free resources, including small group studies and more, check out lumoproject.com. That's L-U-M-O project.com. Okay, it's time for Relevant Buzz. Ooh, Relevant Buzz. All right. Please welcome to the show, Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee, uh, helping us stay in, you know, informed, in the know about what's buzzing in the relevant world this week. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. So what's going on? So the first thing that we need to talk about, uh, which and, and everybody and everybody knows, you know, people, you hear a lot of chatter out there about how relevance, the kingmakers in Hollywood, you know, we're the gate that everybody has to pass through if they want Hollywood glory. Mm-hmm. I don't want to relitigate mm-hmm. any of that. I, I, I don't heard, like I haven't said that before, Tyler. Yeah. Well, it's you, if you spend more time in LA, I think you, it's, oh, people are okay. all, it's I'm all they talk about LA, out there. I'm going to LA pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. You'll hear it out there. Yeah. You'll hear I'll all that out there. Okay. All right. I've been in LA a lot, but I, I, yeah, I, if you needed evidence here, yeah, this is something you can, this would be good, good for you, Derek, because you can talk okay. about this. This would be something to like bring to the table for these conversations. This week on Tuesday, this year's Oscar nominees were announced and, oh, and of the people who were announced, uh, so many, we've, we've been, we were privileged to talk to so many of them here in Relevant. Our two most recent Relevant Magazine cover stars were both nominated for their performances. Jessica Chastain got nominated for a Best Actress for her role in the eyes of Tammy Faye and Andrew Garfield was also nominated for his role in Tick, Tick, Boom. Lin-Manuel Miranda was also nominated multiple times. I think it's very likely that he's going to EGOT uh, on this round. This will be his the final stud in that belt. We talked to him about that. Uh, we have... I, I can't say everybody yet, but we do have some surprises coming down who also received their Oscar nominate, nominations yesterday. And somebody we did not talk to, but this is an achieve. This was a pretty wild achievement that I wasn't aware of. Uh, Steven Spielberg became the first director to be nominated for in six different decades that he's been doing what? this. Wow. The man got, yeah, wow. he's been doing this long enough. Wait, now I thought that he was in the seventies. Like I thought he started his in the first. 70s. His first, the first time he was nominated was uh, was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where he got his first nomination, and then for West Side Story, he was nominated yesterday, which makes him a Best Director nominee in every decade since he first started directing. Wow! Uh, which is yeah. So he's 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 one of the well, best. He's one of the best to ever do it. And, we can't uh, take credit and, for and, him, and, but we can take credit for all the other ones. So. <laughs> Well, if he wants to talk to us, of course, yeah. our door is wide well, open. Then if he wants to win, seven is this a lock. Year, if, uh, if, yeah. 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 And notice, and there was a lot of talk about how Lady Gaga was snubbed for her role in the House of Gucci. She did not talk to us this year. Yeah, I don't want to draw any conclusions to that, but, but lesson <laughs> learned, you know? Hope, hope she took away. Let this be Johnny Knoxville the rest didn't of talk to us this year. He wasn't didn't nominated. Talk to us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. we can go down Alana, the list. Alana Heim in Licorice Pizza didn't talk to us. Wasn't Doesn't nominated. I'm very surprised she didn't get nominated. It, well, I wasn't because she didn't interview Tyler, did you, did you send gloating emails to all of their publicists, letting them know that you told them this was going to happen if You're they welcome. did not speak to you? Yeah. yeah. That was a subject was, line. Was, You're welcome. <laughs> We saw. I breathed a sigh of relief because I did mm-hmm. promise this to everybody. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, As part of getting them to say to tell you to the interview. <laughs> well, um, next we need to set our sights on Grammys, you know, because like you know, yeah, that's true. Getting artists we're into, you know, get them some Grammys, you know. 
Yeah, so if anyone yeah, wants a Grammy, true. come talk to us. Exactly. Uh, that's pretty much what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Uh, speaking of Grammys, Dua Lipa was on the Colbert Report. Was not, mm-hmm. The Colbert Report, not for like 10 years now. Dua Lipa was on Colbert this week. And uh, she actually, she asked him a question about how he... His intersection of faith and comedy in his work, uh, which was a very poignant question on her part. And I thought his response to this was also really, really poignant and really beautiful. Here's what he had to say. In the same way, that sadness is like a little bit of an emotional death, but not a defeat if you can find a way to laugh about it. Because that laughter keeps you from having fear of it. And fear is the thing that keeps you from turning to evil devices to save you from the sadness. As Robert Hayden said, we must not be frightened or cajoled into accepting evil as our deliverance from evil. We must keep struggling to maintain our humanity, though monsters of abstraction threaten and police us. So if there's some relationship between my faith and my comedy, it's that no matter what happens, you are never defeated. You must understand and see this in the light of eternity and find some way to love and laugh with each other. Holy cow. I I like that. I like that response because like for for a couple of reasons, but I do feel like, you know, there is especially and this is this is sort of anecdotal, right? Like this. But but I'm sure you guys could affirm this uh, to some degree. It seems like a lot of conversations that I have with people of faith these days. Um, are, you know, not always the most pleasant in that they're very concerned about this, rightly, rightly concerned about the state of the world, you know, no matter what their political disposition, it seems to be a lot, a lot of these, um, you know, the, a lot of the dialogue is centered on kind of fear and concern and anxiety and worry. And, you know, there really is a real almost spiritual power to laughing and just like making light of things and remembering that, you know, not every moment of our existence should just be this heavy oppressive thing. Even if the world is having oppressive, you know, uh, not to be overly spiritual, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's a lot, a lot of times if you're on like, you spend an average day on Twitter, you see a lot of stuff that is 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 tough and, and a lot of the dialogue is heavy. But it's like I like his answer that look, man, the way you defeat evil isn't to to just match it down with with fear or or sort of the sense of dread, but it is to be able to kind of stare it down and still have some sort of posture of, of joy and, and, and humor. Uh, it was an interesting, interesting yeah. response. Job yeah. 21. He will once again, fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Yeah. And this is 21 six. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. <laughs> like yeah. Jesse's yeah. like this podcast. One thing that Colbert does really well, and this is an, an aside, that man has a lot of stuff memorized. He's yeah. always pulling yeah. out like crazy quotes out like in the from mid- nowhere. In the middle, yeah, he he doesn't have to look it up. He did it the other. He like did a whole Shakespeare when Denzel was on. He like he like recited from Macbeth like an entire like who how, he's a busy guy. That show is on every night. Yeah, but Where Denzel was coming on to promote Macbeth. Memory? You know he dusted that off. You know what I mean? He was you ready. Think Colbert, he, like, he, he did a little yeah. bit. Of, he committed like a whole. It was not a just a quote. It was like a long. It was a right. it was a passage. And you even, know, even it, so, it's it's still impressive. You know what I mean? Is, like, it it's, it's, even if he did memorize it the week before, I think sometimes we forget. Like, I, I have a homie that, and this is this. Is, I'm gonna use a different example, but I have a homie that hates LeBron. He hates him. He's like LeBron is trash. Da, da, da. You, you can say trash. my name. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of times we forget 
people in that position just how magnificently talented they are. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. sure. you, sure. you can yeah. say LeBron, you can say you don't like LeBron, but it's impossible to say he's trash. Like, like right. you just can't. Like, same thing with Colbert. It's like, we forget he's there for a reason. It's because dude is like a legit genius. You know what I mean? You don't get to those megawatt roles in culture without having a lot going for you that yeah. we only get to see like 10, 20% of on, uh, the, uh, on mm-hmm. an average. Yeah. The cool thing about this clip, though, I mean, just having kind of faith talked about in that format. I mean, we posted and obviously it went, it went wide. A, a couple of days ago, Dwight Schrute, <laughs> Rain Wilson retweeted our, our mm-hmm. us posting this clip. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was funny watching Christian Twitter because I think this is great having right. yeah. faith conversations in the public square that the Christian isn't bigoted. He's not crazy. Right. It's, 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 it's Christ honoring. It's a good conversation, good representation of what we're about. Right. And then like somebody like Tim Keller posted this and his comments went crazy negative about how this is compromising the gospel and we shouldn't be applauding people who aren't living. You know, did you know Colbert also said this and this and this and like annihilate and you're ruining your witness, Tim Keller, by promoting this false gospel and all this stuff. They went crazy on him. And I'm just like, how do Christians see what Colbert shared on his show as a negative thing? I mean, it's just, I don't understand the anger and almost vitriol that Christians have toward each other, you know? In my opinion, I feel like the desire for exclusivity and rightness mm-hmm. has what they were saying film jumped the shark. Like it's like it's jumped yeah. the shark. It's like at some point in time, it's like, yeah, we gotta have exclusivity or or yeah, we wanna say, hey, these things are right. And but it's like it's now begin to like Christians have begun to metastasize themselves like they begin to eat themselves because it's like okay not it's not good enough to just be like okay I believe in Jesus or I believe in Yahweh but then after that it's like well do you believe in baby dedication and now people are fighting over that or you know what I'm saying do you believe that you know in global warming it's like now there's the fight over that because there's only one exclusive way to view everything and and I think that that's the issue. Like there's no room for, and and even when you look at the scriptures, like there was, there was room for a level of fluidity and there was a room, room for a level of interpretation. Like there was, even within when you read in Acts, the apostles had to wrestle with how do we deal with these Gentiles, right? And there's mm-hmm. this opinion and that opinion. Even when you see how the Bible was put together, that was put together at the, the Council of Nicaea. Like when you, there was, were creeds that had to be put together. You know what I'm saying? That makes mm-hmm. sense. Like what do we believe? Like with Jesus has come in and now what do we think? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I think that's a, it's a big issue right now because the world is so fragmented. I think the internet does that too it kind of the algorithm kind of puts you in your bubble and then you believe that your bubble is the only thing that exists like that's Mm -hmm. the only thing right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i think Mm -hmm. like that is what a lot of people on christian twitter don't realize is they're they're seeing like steven's response and they're wanting it to be something like way deeper and they wanted it to be like people were saying like he never even said jesus's name but like his audience is not Christian. So like, I actually really love that he explained a fairly like Christian, uh, idea without going like super deep. In, Cause you know, you, I, if I were to tell someone who's never been to church, like Jesus died for your sin, they don't know what sin is. They don't understand like why would this person, you know, like there's so much to unpack there, but I think he took a really difficult 
idea and I'm like and explained it in a really short and concise way that regardless of what your faith or beliefs are like you can understand that because we all recognize fear and so like I think he presented it in like a really beautiful way and I think we should like appreciate that and celebrate that that conversation is happening in a national non-christian space instead of nitpicking it saying like well he should have used this word he should have referenced this because then it just this is why people don't like Christians because that's how they well, act. Did, did you see, did you see the clip where Liam Neeson was on and they explained the gospel story through the lens of the plot of taken where yeah. mm. Jesus, mm. Satan tried to steal your joy. Satan, <laughs> Satan is a wearing a track suit. Just right. picture Satan <laughs> as a guy in a track, a track suit. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> came. And, and his only weapon's a chain. Yeah. He's going to do whatever it takes. He's going to go after the one and leave the 99. Yeah. You know. Yeah. On, the, on the flip side, on the flip side of this to, uh, to sort of another, uh, something that maybe is sort of winsome. Do you guys, if I say Rich Mullins, do you guys know who I'm talking about here? If I say yeah. the name Rich Mullins? Yeah. 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 He's a ragamuffin. Yeah, yeah. He's, he yeah, the late great. Late great, yeah. He's been <laughs> the late great ragamuffin, uh, who best known for for Awesome God, of course, which was a song that he sort of famously was not proud of and did not think was very good. Uh, but also had yeah, a lot of other songs and was known for Derek, being. Kind how of would a you feel about that? Like your career and legacy is defined your by a song, song that you don't even like. <laughs> Yo, no lie. Look. I I've had songs that I was like I don't know about this one and they do really really well so early on in uh-huh. my career I started just being like I'm not putting anything out unless I feel like I'm gonna love it 10 years later uh-huh. like, That's because it, it is it's extremely frustrating you're like hey listen to all these ones right here they're the they're my the crown jewel of my catalog and I'm like nah we're gonna listen to this one song you made to, for uh-huh. this youth camp or something <laughs> like that's the one that's gonna be the biggest thing you've ever done that's Rich Mullins <laughs> you, you right should there. have been around to tell Rich that or he, he learned it on he learned the hard way on his own that, that, that was the, the state of things but I think he was known for being kind of a strange dude like he didn't really fit with the rest of the CCM scene he was kind he of didn't a wear shoes I remember that he didn't wear shoes he was uh, I think I just don't think he really but he was but he was a good enough songwriter and yeah he, he had some like Amy Grant was a close friend of his so he continued to, to do pretty well so we we were this this quote surfaced last week that seemed to really resonate with the relevant audience when we posted about it did did quite well and it's a I won't read the entirety of it you can never relevantmagazine.com to check it all out there um, but this this is stuff this was a interview from 1996 I think when he gave this interview when did he and, pass uh, away and it's hard to sorry when did he pass away 97 97 so this okay. was shortly before his pass so shortly before he died yeah. where he gave an interview. Uh, where he said this, uh, there's something offensive to me about having an American flag in a church building when the CIA pretended to be missionaries and caused trouble in Chile so that all missionaries were kicked out. I think that makes the United States the enemy of the kingdom of God. I think a government that requires 18-year-old boys to register for the draft is anti-life. All the pro-lifers, they only think life is sacred if you're a fetus. I agree that life is sacred to fetuses, but I also think it's sacred to 18-year-olds. Where were you people when Nixon was in the White House, when Lyndon Johnson was escalating the war? I don't think everybody has to be a pacifist. I don't. But it does seem funny to me that so many people who are anti-abortion are pro-capital punishment. And so many people who are anti-capital punishment are pro-abortion. Can you imagine a CCM star unloading <laughs> like this today? On the, like, Buddy. I don't think you can do it. <laughs> we get in trouble. Irrelevant for saying stuff. Like we do, and we do print this argument. 
he has a holistic pro-life ethic. Yeah, a holistic pro-life ethic. Womb to tomb. Life Mm -hmm. and human dignity that, you know, (laughs) yes. Child trafficking. You say that today? And, but we Funny. do. That's the thing. And then we get yeah. labeled as yeah. woke liberals because we sit there and uh-huh. say, Jesus talked about all, all life is created in his image and he cares about everybody, the least of these. And we have the audacity of actually talking about that. And we're, I, we're labeled woke. Rich, hallelujah. Thank you. Somebody else at least is saying it. I think it. it's different for relevant. I'm thinking about from the artist perspective, like for relevant. Sure. It's yeah. different because it's your platform, right? Yeah. So what you've built is built off of just like, hey, okay, this is our culture. This is that. When you're an artist, like you're dependent on the culture at large to like you and bring you out, right? So like I think about uh, Lecrae after he tweeted, um, he tweeted something. It was it was really simple. Like it was like, hey, it, it wasn't even about race or anything. Oh, he was talking about, hey, deconstruction is okay. Like. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was saying like, yeah. hey, take your time or grow and all of that and literally lost a tour date. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, they uh, they put out of a tour date because he had an opinion on deconstruction. So it's like as an artist to say something that inflammatory mm-hmm. today, that, that would be like, man, shows are being canceled, taken off the mm-hmm. airways. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to show you, buddy. So. I think toward the end of his career, though, Rich, because he's like famously there. There's anecdotes that he would even refuse to play Awesome God in his concerts and stuff yeah. like that. Like he didn't want to be co-opted. He didn't want to have to fit a mold because he didn't fit the mold. And so I think toward the end of what now we know is the end of his life, uh, he had a I, what was it, a car accident is how he died or something. He died in a car crash. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't like he was sick or seeing the end. I mean, he's in his career, but I think toward the end, he was actually trying to sabotage his career. I think he was trying to get out of the constraints of the mold people trying to put him in. He moved out of Nashville. He moved to, he spent the last part of his life on an, on a Navajo Indian reservation. Uh, That's right. He said, and this is, this is a, a direct quote, which again, 1996, uh, he said, uh, he said he, quote, just got tired of a white evangelical middle class perspective on God. And I thought I would have more luck finding Christ among the Navajos. Again, 96, like white Christian yeah. CCM artists were not talking about the white evangelical industrial complex in this era <laughs> at all. And uh, and he was uh, out there trying to find God with uh, with his friends on a Navajo reservation. So he really, really interesting. Very, very brave guy. Probably would have landed a little different in the Internet world. Uh, some of yeah. those quotes and interviews that he gave, mm. but it's it's cool to see the path that guys like him and Brennan Manning blaze that uh that a lot of people had already walked in, but continued to grow yeah. and get bigger because of people like Rich Mullins. Yeah, good Rich. Hey, yeah, I, I, I gotta, I think I gotta just, look into him. Yeah, Tyler just found this quote this week, and we just posted it, and it it exploded because people are mm-hmm. resonating, you know, so strongly with what he had to say. Um, yeah. all right, last thing, what else you got? Last thing. The final thing, and this is something that I know everybody's been talking about. I'm interested to hear everybody on this podcast perspectives because this is a a field that we all have a big stake in. And that is the company called Spotify. Spotify, obviously, in the spotlight for a lot of reasons this week. If you haven't been paying attention, just very, very briefly, uh, Joe Rogan has the largest podcast in the world. He has a $100 million deal to be exclusive with Spotify and was facing a lot of criticism for multiple uses of the N-word that were resurfaced by Indian. Ari earlier this week. There were also other derogatory comments about black people on his podcast. And of course, there was misinformation about COVID-19. Now, yeah, that criticism of the COVID was... Stuff. 
It started, it started because of COVID, of the COVID a week ago. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of blew over a little bit. He weathered that. And then and then India Ari released a compilation of times where he used racial slurs uh, and talked about black people and, and really, I would say, a horrifyingly offensive way. And uh, and Spotify now has said that they're going to stick with him. They're they're not kicking him out. They're not canceling his contract or anything like that. They did remove the episodes. They I believe 111, I believe, was the last tally I saw episodes of episodes that contain that. Uh, Joe Rogan apologized. The Spotify CEO sent a letter to the whole staff that was leaked saying he does not believe that canceling Joe Rogan is the right course of action here. Uh, but it has also caused a lot of distress for other people who are on Spotify. Some people like Neil Young, Joni Mitchell have pulled all their music off Spotify saying we're not going to be part of this anymore. Other people are threatening to do stuff like that. Um, and, and now it's, I think where we find ourselves right now as we're recording this, it's kind of in the middle of a mess. Uh, Brene Brown released a very long statement on Instagram saying that she feels basically very, very conflicted about being on Spotify right now. She has this exclusive content. Contract. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's trapped in a, a very lucrative contract <laughs> for herself. So there's worse ways you could be trapped uh, <laughs> saying she doesn't really like, she compared it to being at, at the, uh, in an assigned seat in a cafeteria where she has to sit with Joe Rogan, but she doesn't like inviting her followers to listen to Joe Rogan. So she seems like she doesn't really know what to do. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it's a it's a big mess. And it, it'll be interesting to see where all this falls, because I, I don't know where this is all going to land. Tyler and I were talking about this the other day because like there's two angles here, in my opinion. I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this. Like, obviously, the free speech people you know, saying, Hey, podcasting is free speech. Da, 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 don't censor, you know, they, they have valid points. And then the people are saying there's certain content that crosses the line and, and has to be, you know, limited or there needs to be standards, you know, there's, they're valid as well. So there's people on both sides of the line that have right behind them. Right. The thing uh-huh. that, the thing that is unenviable about Spotify's position is that they fell into this completely unprepared because how, what's their business? They are a music dis- distribution platform. Yeah. You know, like they have nothing to do with the content. It's your choice. There's explicit music on our platform. There's clean music on our platform. You can, you know, we have nothing to do with it. We're making it available. You're free to do what you want. And they thought podcasting would be the same. That they could be arm's length. The difference is with podcasting, they're not just a distributor. By paying for these exclusive deals directly with Joe Rogan and Brene Brown mm. and uh, Ringer and 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 Bill Simmons and and uh, uh, Gimlet point. and others, I never thought of it they that are now way. a yeah. publisher. They're a publisher. Yep. They are a content yeah. creator, and they do have an ethical standards that they have to adhere to as a publisher or or not or they say we're, we're going to endorse this content but they can't treat it like music they can't be hands-off and say we're just a distributor we have nothing to do with it they are now a publisher and they're paying for it and now i don't think they anticipated this and now the question is apples and oranges what business are they going to be are they going to be a publisher or a distributor and i think that's ultimately what's going to have to settle here is that they can't keep on keeping on trying to treat it like they're a distributor of podcasts when they're not they're a publisher of podcasts now so anyway emily what you think this is this is your generation like this is this is your, my generation um yeah this is Joe I wanna, Rogan I wanna, and Brene brown are your no, generation no, no, no. i'm saying i'm saying for our spot saying because this is the thing, my yeah, first yeah. the thing i first saw was i noticed the people that were leaving spotify Mm-hmm. We're mostly elder statesmen, right? Yeah. And elder mm-hmm. states women. So I want to know what Emily, I want to know your thoughts. So uh truthfully, I 
all my friends, we use Spotify. And I think, so it is frustrating that this is the platform that, um, is like having so much issues. Cause like I've been using it for years All my music's on there. So it's like, if I were to like, this is a, a, like, honestly a personal selfish standpoint, if I were to change pod, like change platforms, I would have to like resave all the music that I like and find all the playlists and stuff like that. Like, and so I think that's why you see not a lot of younger people doing it. Cause they would have to do the same thing. Um, my thought is, I don't think the issue is that Joe Rogan's podcast is on Spotify. I think the issue is that someone who is speaking a lot of misinformation and is speaking pretty poorly about a population group or multiple population groups. The fact that that is the number one podcast in America, that's what is frustrating to me that like Mm. people, whether he was on Spotify or like Apple podcast or Amazon podcast, I'm sure they have a podcast platform. Um, that's what's more concerning to me is the fact that people are listening to this. Um, I don't, you know, Spotify can drop him. There's there was a, some, I don't even remember which one it was. There was some podcast platform that was going to offer him like a hundred million dollar contract and he, they wouldn't censor him at all. And he could post whatever he wanted on there. And it's like the fact that people are paying money because that's what they want to hear is this very divisive content that that's where my frustration lies. I don't care whether or not Spotify drops him. It's that he gets a platform at all yeah. and that people want to listen to that pod- platform. And I think too, you kind of like, I think it's, it's almost two separate scenarios, right? Like, I mean, with, with the, the, the comments that are overtly racist, you can't, there's, you can't defend the indefensible, mm-hmm. right? Like that there's no, like, oh, dude, his stop. fans like, do. They're like, you don't understand the context. You're leaving out the context. He was saying matter. the word mm-hmm. to say, you don't say this word. And then he said it for shock value to make his point. And I'm like, what? There's no, <laughs> there's no context. Where there's it's no context. Yeah. But, but, but I also think like, you know, when you look at the misinformation piece, that's where to me, there's a bit more complexity. Like to mm-hmm. me, that one's, that one's a more of almost a gray area because a lot of times when misinformation is deplatformed, all it does is further entrench those, those views into other, like, I think when it comes to things that Look, the, the, to your point, Emily, a lot of 11 million people uh, uh, listen every episode, right? I think um, that means there's a real curiosity for, for the, a lot of people have a lot of questions about COVID and or or vaccines or whatever sure, that. Yeah. And I think you have to be able to to like welcome conversations. It's a fine line. But if you just suppress ideas that, you know, even if they're dangerous ones, you know, but if you don't allow those conversations to happen, it further entrenches them in a lot of for a lot of people like and there, there's mm-hmm. got to be a way that you can find a balance to be able to address, you know, concerns and questions people have, but also kind of meet it with with inf- meet the misinformation with information. There's a, a podcast I really like Gimlet produces, which is owned by Spotify called Science Versus. And they went in and did kind of a breakdown, kind of combating some misinformation that went on out on Joe Rogan's podcast. But it created an actual dialogue and they invited mm-hmm. the, the Joe Rogan didn't, you know, go on, but they invited him on there to talk specifically about the COVID stuff. I think that kind of dialogue can actually break through to people, mm-hmm. but obviously the, the racist stuff is just, like I said, repugnant and indefensible. And, and that's a kind of a separate issue that I think platforms have to have a hard line with. When I look at the Joe Rogan podcast, like, all right. So uh, up until the point you said they're a publisher of content, like my first perspective was I look at, Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, like I live in Tennessee. 
I never go to Pulaski. Why don't I go to Pulaski? That was where the Ku Klux Klan was started. I just right. don't really see myself going on that side of the state. So right. for me, I go to Spotify to listen to what I want to listen to. And are there people that like what Joe Rogan says? Apparently there are. So like I kind of land on the side where Emily, where it's not even disappointment, but it's just like, that's just what it is. I look at Joe Rogan as what I think about the typical, and I'm probably going to get some flack for this, but like the typical white male in America, like he appeals to that guy who's like, hey, I could just say kind of whatever I want. And because I'm white, I sound smart and it doesn't have any real consequences. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's kind of what I see. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that every white guy is like Joe Rogan, but I'm saying that some of the things that he says that aren't that don't encompass the nuances of how hurtful it could be to other people. I think that's what the you want to talk about what white privilege is. That's that. Watch the Joe Rogan show. Like that's what it is. He just says things like like I saw the clip where he was like, say the N word. You won't say it. Well, yeah, we can say all these other uh, words, but we can't say that word. And it's like that is the white privilege part of it. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, I can say what I want with immunity, like, because I can either claim, well, you know, Hey, uh, what makes you so special that you can't be, I, I, I talk equally bad about everyone. You know what I mean? And I think that like, it's not a surprising thing that it's the most popular show out for me. I'm just like, that's what it is. But I think just as a black dude, I've just learned to live with it. It's like, I'm not going to mess my listening enjoyment up. I'm not going to boy. I'm not going to take my stuff off Spotify. Like I'm not mm-hmm. doing that stuff. And it's like, if people are in it, people are into it and they're definitely into it. Hey, it's do your thing. Like, you know, I, that's just kind of how I look at it. You know what I mean? Cause I, I guess my fear is when we start like somebody like him, I always worry about what happens when the wind blows the other way. So everybody's happy when the wind's blowing their direction. But when it blows the other way and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we don't like religious stuff or, hey, we don't like this stuff or that stuff or this stuff and that stuff. And then there's a, you know, hey, did you hear someone said this? This is truly offensive. And then now we can take someone's whole thing off because we don't like it. You know, that's where my fear, because another thing that I was saying and I'm done is like, it's crazy how it went from COVID to racism, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that bothers me is because it was COVID misinformation. It didn't seem like it was getting that much traction. So we know that people use black rage. Black rage is like the, the that is the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. So that's what kind of frustrates me. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought it was about COVID misinformation. Now mm-hmm. we're going through yeah. that. I'm like, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's shocking that he said some of the stuff that he said, but it's not that shocking to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm sure he probably did say some of those things. So I'm like, how does it flip from that? And it may, you know, I'm not a, well, I am a a diet conspiracy theorist, but I just kind of feel like now all of a sudden we're talking about racism and it's like, let's use black rage. It feels like let's use black rage to Mm -hmm. get accomplished what we want. You know what I mean? That, Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion a little bit, you know. Yeah. 
Can I ask you a question about that, Derek? Yeah, go ahead. Do you? I've seen some people like leaving spot. Like they're they're like, well, I'm going to leave Spotify until not just other artists, but like listeners, like just people, yeah. you know, with a with a with a plus account saying, "I'm I'm out of here." Um, and I've seen some musicians saying, "Please don't leave." However, you feel about it, like Spotify is how you know they promote young artists yeah. and they help they yeah. help me get discovered. They're paying my rent. Is that some? Do you feel like Spotify does does pretty good by young new artists? And to the point where people should maybe think twice about leaving, even if they're really offended by Rogan and those guys. I think if you're really offended, I think most of the people that are really offended don't really listen to his podcast in the first place. So that's my point. I'm like, don't punish your, don't punish yourself. If you enjoy the Spotify listening experience, don't punish yourself and don't punish don't punish the artists yeah. that you listen to. Like, man, continue, mm-hmm. continue to listen to them in in that way. But at the same time, it's the free market. I think the best way, in my opinion, the best way to show somebody what you feel is to vote by not listening yeah, and by, you know, do, yeah. yeah, vote yeah. with your dollars, yeah. man. Like that's that's my opinion. But I'm like, man, like like the Gimlet podcast, it's like, hey, everybody just start listening to that and prop that up. You know what I mean? If that's the if that's the response to it or, you know, instead of listening to Joe Rogan, make a make a black music playlist and listen to that joint. You know what I'm saying? Reward those artists that are doing amazing things. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know how effective the 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 four people leaving Spotify is going to, you know what I'm saying, going to do. Gotcha. Just to wrap this up, at the end of the day, I just think Spotify will have to reckon with what kind of business are we going to be? You know, are we going to be a content creator, publisher, or are we going to be a content distributor? And until they figure that out, this is going to be a lot of messy stuff. Because like you said, like who's setting the standards? What if they what if the wind goes against this topic? And, you know, like they they just need to figure out what they're trying to do here. Um uh, and full disclosure, uh, for the last year and a half, pushing two years, you heard Anchor ads on this podcast. Anchor is Spotify's podcast creation platform. And we were using it, partnered with it, revenue partner, everything with them for years. Uh, we have, we've left, we left prior to this. We left about a month ago to a different platform. So we are no longer using the Spotify revenue uh, podcasting revenue partnership, but um, you know, just FYI, it sounds real good. Like, hey, uh, we left Spotify too. Yeah, it was just coincidence. But <laughs> hey, but anyway, <laughs> you can listen to us, though. You know, yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. You, yeah. 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 you can listen to us, conscious free. You feel there you go. <laughs> so unless, we, unless we get all those Wherever. Rich Mullins quotes in here, then it's then it's controversial. Yeah, yeah, most <laughs> yeah. Yeah, By the way, real real say. quick, just a quick end note before I know this segment's gone long, but I did drop something in the chat early on. I dropped the Liam Neeson tracksuit guy fight and I queued it up right to when he makes an appearance. <laughs> Mind so you, when you watch this, you waited the whole movie to see who this guy was. And he's not even that big. Liam Neeson's like a head taller. It's just like a guy who I guarantee you was working on set that day. And they're like, hey, Frank, you're not going to believe it, man. You're the villain. We, oh, we are, you know, our, big muscle, right our big muscle guy yeah. backed out. Yeah. It's like a guy who doesn't even look like he's in that fantastic <laughs> of like fighting shape. You know, it really is a dude in a tracksuit. That boy yeah. name is Doug. He, he was holding the boom. Uh, he was seen. holding the mic boom. <laughs> Listen, I just rocked. Listen, I know this is bad timing. Rock just texted. He's out. <laughs> 
Frank, you in, homie? He's like, yeah, all right. I got I brought my tracksuit. I'm going to slide right in. And it's like, as him and Liam, like, Neeson are squaring up, it's like, Liam Neeson's way bigger. Each other. This isn't even a fair fight. Yo, Liam Neeson is like a foot taller than his dude. <laughs> this is like this guy. He killed a hundred bad yeah. guys to get to this guy? Yo. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this week's Relevant Buzz. Make sure to follow Relevant on all the socials uh, and uh, make sure relevantmagazine.com is part of your daily web browsing habit. There's a lot of stuff going on every day. Stay tuned. Up next, Christian Stanfield joins us. You're listening to Goth Babe. The song is Running Around. It's the last thing we need is a bunch of goth babes running around. But today's show is also brought to you by our friends at UHSM. Healthcare costs have been growing year after year and can lead to a lot of confusion. Well, thankfully, UHSM offers great and affordable health for everyone. Unite Health Share Ministries, or UHSM, is a Christian health sharing ministry that puts your health before anything else. Now, health sharing isn't insurance. The programs at UHSM are member-based fellowships where faithful people can take charge of their own health care. UHSM offers dis- different programs to meet any and all of your needs, from telehealth options to plans that cover the unexpected moments in life. UHSM has something for everyone. For more information, check out uhsm.org or contact a representative at 800-900-8476. Again, to find out more, check out uhsm.org or contact a rep at 800-900-8476. Tell them relevant sent you. Well, today's guest is Christian Stanfill. He's a worship leader with Passion Church in Atlanta. Passion just dropped their newest EP. It's called Burn Bright. So he sat down with our very own Tyler Huckabee um, to reflect on this year's Passion Conference and the importance of having a community who can be real with you, especially when it's about stuff you don't want to hear. Here's our conversation with Christian Stanfill. I think it's still so like important um, and potentially very, very moving when somebody, when a group like yours who's been in this for a long time decide, like I feel like deciding to release an album, like some artists just, well, I've got 10 songs, time to release an album, I guess. But I really do mm-hmm. feel and have respected you guys' commitment to feeling like we feel like we're being called, like it's time, like there's something on mm. our hearts. Um, which yeah. has traditionally been in past conversations with you, with other people in passion, what, what leads to that. So what in this time, what do you feel like sort of the impetus was for it's time for us to release uh, another album? Well, we knew that uh, we knew that we were going to be in Mercedes Benz at the beginning of the year. Uh-huh. And so that was definitely a mark on the timeline we knew to, to aim for. And, um, and so we knew we wanted to write, bring some new songs, you know, for, you know, for the, for the conference. And so we started writing in the fall and, um, you know, all these songs got written and kind of distilled down into these few songs that we really felt like, man, 
not, not only do we love these new songs, but we also feel like it's capturing the heart and the prayer of Passion 22. And so I think what you're going to hear when you do, when, when, when people are able to hear these live tracks, you're going to hear um, those signature and special moments from conference that if you were there, you know, like, wow, I, I remember that. It's like what he's done. We were talking about what he's done, the video that just released. That was a moment that night with Tasha and Anna leading that song that people won't forget. I know I won't forget it. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's moments like that. There, there are those moments, you know, kind of that happen throughout conference that you go, man, we're not just releasing mute. Like you said, we're not just releasing a project to release a project, but we really feel like these were moments that we all looked around at each other and said, wow, we could have never planned it like this. How do you, as a, as an artist and as a leader, how do you balance this, the sort of the tension? It's almost like in some ways, I hope this doesn't sound crude, but it's almost like improv where you have a plan, you have like, you have a set list and mm-hmm. you have, you know, there's things that we, we got to, we got to land this plane at some point this evening. Mm. But then <laughs> yeah. at some points, I know uh, like something happens that you didn't anticipate that you didn't plan for the spirit moves. What do you see your role uh, on stage at that point? And, and how do you sort of feel those things out or, or, or seek leading there? Mm. Wow. That is such a great question, man. For us, we're always aware uh, that, that that could happen we're always aware as we're thinking about set lists and moments that we don't want to get so locked into our plan that we miss what God wants to do in the moment. You know, as a worship leader, um, it takes, sometimes it takes stepping over, stepping over the edge and just trusting that something is here and I can't fully see it yet, but I feel like if I take a step with the Holy Spirit, that we will discover this as we go. That, you know, especially something like passion where, you know, there's 55,000 people in the room that can feel a little bit like stepping into nothing, but I can confidently say, man, that anytime that God has said step and it feels like a risk, you step and you find something on the other side of that obedience that is so much, so, so far, uh, beyond what I could have ever dreamed or planned for that moment. And, um, Uh But what he's done is a perfect example. That live version of what he's done. I told Tasha before we went out there, I said, hey, we have built this space in at the end of what he's done. And I just want you to, to lead. Just just go, whatever, whatever is on your heart to do. So we get to the end of what he's done and we can either end the song, which is would have been great, or we, we know that we have this extra space and she goes into, you know, I'll never forget. What he's done, I'll never forget. That was all in the moment, unplanned. Just that's crazy. Beca- but no, that's but because we had created that little space, that was able to come out. I'm wondering, it's so interesting as you're, as you're saying this, um, uh, this idea of like taking it, like taking a step, walking out in faith and, and just let, and just trusting that moment to God, how, how applicable that lesson is off stage, just in your day to day spiritual life as well. You know, yeah. like that's a, yeah. and I'm wondering and if you don't have any immediate answer, I would, this is, was not a question I planned on asking. I'm just curious. 
are there other examples you can think of that of like this is something that I learned as a guy who who makes worship music for a living but this is also yeah. has huge implications for who I am just as a Christian as a believer my family my life anything like that come to mind I don't know if this is you know exactly what you're talking about but the first thing that comes to my mind is um, being real and authentic and honest with the people around me and you know I have a couple of a couple of guys that I consider like my ride or die like guys accountability they know the good the bad the ugly about everything in my life and a big step for me you know that I've had to learn to take especially over the last you know, even just recently like over the last few years is trusting that as I step out and I'm I'm honest and authentic with with those guys and with the people in my life that it's going to be met with um, love and grace and um, understanding uh, and so I think that's a good you know just as we follow Jesus we have to do it with other people you know I think the tendency mm-hmm. is to want to do it on our own and to isolate and go I can do this mm-hmm. and I can bow up and like figure this out on my own but the step of faith that I've I've had to learn most recently is to step into the community that I have. I'm gonna burn bright, gonna let love rise, gonna shine like stars in the heavens. I'm gonna burn bright, I got just one light to shine like stars in the heavens. I think this is something that a lot of people feel that, that I hear from, from my friends and people I work with. And they're like, they, they go to something like, like a passion conference or even, you know, go see maybe Hillsong comes to town or Mav City or something like that. And they have a great experience and they feel so like, you know, this is, this is awesome. And then they go back to their church on Sunday morning and it's just not really the same. You know, they're like, well, my, my, you know, we got, we got 150 people in my church and it hits a little different there. What do you say to somebody who's like, why can't I, why can't I connect with God on my average Sunday morning worship set the same way that I do when I see something, when I go to something like, like, uh, like passion? Well, you know, first of all, I get it. You know, when, when you're, when you're at some something like, you know, in the Mercedes Benz and Passion 2022, and you have all these amazing speakers and worship leaders, and you know the the look of it, the sound of it, like I get it. Like going back to you know, even for us, going back to like our church here at Passion City sure. Church, you're like you walk in first sure. Sunday and you go, well, it's not the Benz, and you people don't <laughs> seem to be quite as excited as, <laughs> as Passion students were, but um, you know, yeah. so you know, that's the real, but so I get, I get how that can be hard, but I do believe that, that God inhabits the praise of his people. And no matter where you are, no matter who it is, um, when God's praises are sung or when his word is preached, his presence is there. The Holy spirit is there. And, um, I believe that if you're open to it and aware of it, that God can meet you, um, in any place. I was Christian Stanfill. Make sure to check out Passion's new EP, Burn Bright. And uh, stay tuned. Up next, it's our Super Bowl halftime show. Hmm. Yeah. 
Sango sent the track, I told him, boy, I'm on it I done met some people, made me question motives Let's go Industry be tricky, gotta watch you closest It's only when you winning that they taking notice Okay, Midwest, I've been grinding ever Midwest, since 2010, back on Lafayette, I ain't never been basic Legit like a candle, then I pin greatness Piece of cake, watch the boy demonstrate, yo Give me the ball, I fade, or take it up all the way, yo Went to the mall today, I bought me a ball to baby, yo you're listening to Stephen Malcolm. The song is Respect. Okay, it's time for Pick Your Super Bowl Halftime Show. Pick Your Super Bowl Halftime Show. That's what we're calling it. The Super Bowl is this weekend, and along with its hotly anticipated halftime show starring Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, and Kendrick Lamar, um, it's far from the first all-star lineup for a halftime show. It certainly won't be the last. You've been entrusted to choose the roster for the next Super Bowl halftime show. That's what this game is. Pick which lineup of stars, past, present, uh, music legends, up and comers, still living from the grave and great beyond. You would like or you would think would be the most bearable and make your case. So I am actually going to it's basically like that. Tick your, pick your uh, lunch table thing we did yeah. a few weeks ago. So I am going to read six lineups. Okay, six lineups. Actually, I'll share this as well so you guys can see them. Um, uh, I'm going to read six lineups and you guys pick your case, which halftime show you think is the, the be the best one for next year. Lineup number one, Prince, Janelle Monet, Hootie and the Blowfish, and the Newsboys. But only uh, instrument they have is the spinning drum kit. That's what that's that what the could be was. the entire halftime for twenty five minutes and yeah. just spinning with a drum solo. Lineup number two: the Fugees, Mason Ramsey, the Walmart Yodeling Kid, uh, BTS. And Billy Ray, Miley, and Noah Cyrus. Okay, wow. so that's lineup two. Lineup three: the Killers, Billy Eilish, Dolly Parton. And the Blinking Underdogs, Oscar Isaac's old Christian ska band. That's an interesting one. I like that one. Lineup four, Future, Cardi B. Mm. But then you got Nickelback. <laughs> and then Sufjan Stevens bringing down the joint. See, see I, was, I was riding on the train with you till you got the... <laughs> and then lineup five, Harry Styles. But the only instrument he has is the Newsboys' spinning mm. drum kit. Okay? Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Pusha T, Lana Del Rey. And pentatonics. <laughs> pentatonics, because acapella is real good in the stadium setting. Uh, yeah. well, can we just finally, have the baritone guy from pentatonics? He's the most impressive. Like, just uh, the baritone guy. Lineup six is the last one. Lineup six. Adele, Run the Jewels, Machine Gun Kelly, and Will Smith. All right. So you guys have the list. It's in our chat. You can look at them. So make the case of which it should be the next Super Bowl halftime lineup. Can I go first? Yeah. Please do. Yes, I'm going lineup six because that would be crazy. Just because like, of Run the Jewels? No, what? Adele and Will Smith, bro. Well, Adele's do you... doing a ballad. Nobody wants to hear ballads at the halftime show. I want to hear a ballad Adele at the halftime show. Adele would be fire. And here's one thing I'll say. MGK gets a lot of hate. But yeah. I've seen that dude live. He is insane. Like, bro, he's a great performer. He's definitely a... Yeah, he's one of those... He has a very punchable face. But... <laughs> He's a like he's definitely an amazing performer. Like okay. MGK is, is like to me, and then Will Smith, all them hits, like bro, like Will yeah, Smith, but, but they're lame hits, like jiggy with it and stuff. Nobody Are you wants that? Those joints would be fire though. Welcome to Miami, and you gonna get Jazzy Jeff with that. 
and one thing about Will Smith, he's a great performer as well. Like you got some actually pretty good performers on, and then Run the Jewels. I I don't even have to say anything about Run the Jewels. Yeah, I mean, know, it's Killer Mike and LP. Like you know, what I mean, like that's that. Like I don't. The only asterisk I really see here is how would Adele's performance? Well, actually, no. The asterisk is is MGK. Like he can either way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and and with all these people. But the only thing I feel you with the Adele, like she's going to do a ballad. But man, she got some, man, rolling in the deep, rolling in the deep would go crazy on the, on, a, on the all Super right. Bowl stage. You know Have y'all saying? seen, there's videos of people putting Adele songs to like, uh, um, with Megan the Stallion, uh, they've like combined yeah. their songs together. They're very good. Yeah, somehow works. So I think they could get something going there. Jesse, was it Run the Jewels that brought the kid up on stage during the concert and, and gave him a tattoo during the show? No, no, no. That was that was a heavy metal band, but oh, okay. uh, that was a baller. Sounds like Run the Jewels, though. Yeah, that <laughs> was a baller. Oh, no, no, they brought the kid up. No, there was a kid in the like the front row, and he was like. Just singing every lyric yeah, and, uh, every so aggressively, lyric, yeah. and he was up on the jumbotron. And LP was like, "Dude, this kid's crazy! Come up on stage!" And they, they brought this kid up on stage and like performed with him. Like this kid yeah. was taking verses. That was nuts. The whole place went crazy because it was just see, like yeah. this little kid in a button-up shirt. You know, what I mean, it's like. <laughs> I love see, it. But but I think you know, Cameron, the the Will Smith thing is easily resolvable because you're you're saying that he has to perform as Will Smith, the musician, not just Will Smith. Like, let him be Will Smith, the action star. Like the halftime show starts with Blue what? Angels <laughs> flying over the stadium. The Blue Angels just keep parachutes red, white, and blue, right the behind him. Then you see a parachute yeah. and a guy ziplining in, and he and it's. And, and you're like, the whole audience is like, who is this? And they hear Adele's voice in the distance, singing him home. And he's just zipping down and he lands right in the middle of the field. And he's like, welcome to Earth. And then boom, boom, Machine Gun Kelly. Comes out. Yeah, yeah, run okay. the Jewels come out. And it's, yeah. Yeah, guys, you Bro, just got to have the vision. You know? Low-key is a pretty decent lineup, dog. I'm not going to even lie. Like, <laughs> out of all, maybe it's the other lineups are so like, what? You know, that this one works for me. But yeah, I like this It one. does feel like the far and away favorite, you know? Yeah. Though I would like to see... Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, I would like to three. see Oscar Isaac's... Yeah. yeah the Killers, my pick, I'll be Billie honest. Billie Eilish, Dolly Parton, and the Blinking Underdogs, Oscar Isaac's old Christian ska band. I mean, that, that was my second one. I can see that. It seems like the most chaotic because those are like the most... <laughs> Not the most diverse genres, but I have no idea how they would come together. But I would love to see them try. And that's what I want. See, I would just go for pure shock value and go for number five. And I would have, you know, obviously Harry Styles just spinning would trigger a lot of spinning people. On the because drum, we the news voice yeah, because kit, we yeah. don't know if he's going to make it out alive. Because it's quite a long Ray. time. Pentatonics. But pentatonics, like doing one of their like little Christmas, they're all in their sweaters, you know. Like we've all seen them at like Rockefeller Center. It's all like, Christmas music. It's all they got sweaters on, and for some reason it's February. Songs. Nobody knows like, it. Hum, no, hum, that's it. Oh, you know, oh, you know these three men, and then Pusha T comes out. And then Pusha T comes out. Okay, starts well, talking about wise men. Starts talking about cocaine. Yeah, and then he, yeah, he, 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 he goes back to 
old clip stuff, and then he just starts burning Drake to the ground. Like, just right there for no reason. Unprovoked. He just, most of the halftime show is just Pusha T humiliating Drake and Penn and Tonics looking shocked and terrified at what they're witnessing. And then it just, you know, it just goes to black, and, and Harry Styles does not make it, unfortunately. He's, they spun him to death. No, and, he spun uh, him to death. Shock America. They like, got going too fast, and he, his strap broke. Yeah, the yeah. Blue Angels, yeah, had to land and try to perform a rescue, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm, I line up one with Prince and Hootie and the Blowfish and Newsboys, but only with the drum kit. I, Janelle Monet is the only one. She's a great performer. I think she's performed mm-hmm. at the halftime show, but I'm not like, I don't know. I don't know. She couldn't stand up next to Prince and stuff. I don't know, but... Fuji's? Oh, and I see pretty good, well, good now. Yeah, the Janelle is pretty... She, I don't. I don't I'm, I mean, saying she couldn't stand next to him. I don't know about that. I mean, it's Prince, so he's a legend. Right. You know what I'm saying? But she would hold her own. She's like, a great performer, you know, especially great against performer. Man, she's Yeah, she would hold her. Janelle. Janelle is a entertainer. Like, yeah, and like, nah. This mm, she. It was good. I was with y'all until and look. I know the newsboys. I've toured with them. Man, shout out Michael Tate and, and and all them cats. But hey, that's why that's why I, I didn't, why I ju- I didn't uh-huh. know you toured with them. Do they still have the spinning drum kit? Oh yeah, that is the. <laughs> I, I'm telling is it you, still that the highlight, is like right the it peak is the of the highlight concert? of the show, oh, and it's man. always on Jesus Freak. It's always on a song that doesn't have any, it's not a Newsboys song. It's, it's the, <laughs> that makes it's no on sense the Michael Tate joint, but it's always on that. You know what I'm saying? But hey, and listen. Oh, those people, they love it. I, they love it. Dude, I was in like a summer camp, Christian summer camp in the early 90s and they brought that thing out and it like brought the house down and then like they're still 20 something, 30, 30 years later still rocking. It's probably the same one too. It's I'm probably, just waiting. Yeah, yeah it, it is. And they, <laughs> they look, I'm just worried about Duncan. Like, the 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 drummer. I'm oh, yeah. like, yo, bro. Like, what are the effects of spinning for, for twenty years, for thirty years, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thirty years? Like, what effect is that going to have on my guy? He has crippling <laughs> vertigo, but people, you know, don't. They're not. They, ready they for love that. it. It's it's that's yeah. his thing. You know, you you it, once once you're a spinning drummer, you're always a spinning drummer. I'm sorry. <laughs> once people see it one time. You're like, I got to see it again. I have to. There's no going back. I don't care if it's causing him health problems. I need to see him play drums in a giant spinning hamster wheel. All right. Well, that'll do it for Pick Your Super Bowl Halftime Show. Uh, we'll post We'll post these on uh, Twitter polls. Twitter polls. You guys can give us your opinion about which ones uh, you want to see. Follow us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Christian Stanfield for joining us. Make sure to check out Passion's new EP. It's called Burn Bright. Great stuff. Always is. Also, a uh, little housekeeping. Uh, head over to uh, relevantstore.com each week to check out our latest merch. You can get our annual print edition, sweatshirts, podcast fan gear, a bunch of stuff. There's a good sale shipping deal going on right now. Relevantstore.com. Also, check out relevantmagazine.com where you can see our winter digital issue for free. We have conversations with a few Oscar nominees like Andrew Garfield, Lynn manuel Miranda, Denzel Washington, and a lot more great content. It's all available for free. Just click on the magazine tab at relevantmagazine.com. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to get our daily newsletter 
for our top five trending articles in your inbox every morning. It's a great way to stay in touch with the best stuff that our team puts out every day. And uh, for all the stuff we put out, make sure to follow Relevant on all the socials. We're on Twitter and Facebook all the time and Instagram when we feel like it. Uh, Make sure to follow Relevant on all the socials. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Emily Brown. Emily from Paris. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. hundred bad guys to get to this guy relevant podcast network say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill